Missouri Tigers mapped and made their way to the plains of Auburn, Alabama to tussle with the Auburn Tigers. Auburn's aggressively audacity announced an early advantage on the scoreboard, taking the Tigers to a 14-0 lead in the first frame of the tangle between the Tigers. The second session saw Mizzou matriculate the ball masterfully, matching Auburn's advantage and twisting the scoreboard with two touchdowns, tying the game at 14-14 at halftime. After halftime, the two Tiger offenses tripped and tumbled over themselves and couldn't turn up any type of offensive output. Punt after punt after punt after punt pounded the playing surface for 12 straight possessions in this sultry second half. Mizzou mounted a final foray to find themselves a kick away from clinching the contest with a few clicks left on the clock. The kick coasted wide right and a jubilant Jordan Hare joyously went off to overtime. In overtime, the Auburn kicker hooked a kick wide left, but a Mizzou mistake allowed a re-kick due to an offside offense. The Tigers converted the serendipitous second chance to lead 17-14. Mizzou found themselves with a chance to capture the win again. A winding run by the running back weaved in and out of Auburn would-be tacklers for a split second, and it seemed like Mizzou was going to gallop away with the win. But as the running back reached out the oblong object, trying to push it past the pylon, the ball shifted ever so slightly out of his hands and bounded into the end zone where the plucky Pumas of the Plains pounced on the pill and put away the penultimate prospects of the Tigers of Missouri. Auburn 17, Missouri 14. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Sickos Committee Podcast. This is our review of week four, Irk Week. I'm Jordan. Irk Week. Irk Week. I'm Jordan. I'm the VP of Graphic Design and Data Science and whatever else I can add to my resume as I go along. Just add more. Tonight, yeah, just more. It's add more. It's fine. Uh, I'm like an intern. It's good. Tonight, <laughs> I'm with Commissioner Escalante and our special Florida State correspondent, Katie. Katie, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. We're 4 0, guys. I'm great. And a convincing win over Boston College. Very convincing. It was. First convincing win we've had in a long time. Duquesne. You guys, like, you guys thump Duquesne appropriately. But it's Duquesne. So we want, we want someone from a P5. We want a convincing win with someone over in a P5. So yeah. It felt and good. Boston, Boston College sort of fits that definition. <laughs> Quasi. <laughs> well, yeah, poor BC this year. Yikes. <laughs> Commission. The whole ACC in general, it's it's rough. It's rough. It, it's bad. Someone someone mm-hmm. broke someone broke down the coastals like how how the coastals doing this year, and it's real bad. Like, I looked coastal, at it today. Yeah, coastal had bad. a coastal had a bad weekend. It's the last year of the ACC coastal. They they gotta go out with a bang. Totally. Totally. There's no way that like the coastal may disappear. It's it, it's in the system. It's in the walls. Oh, no. It's like it's like yeah. blood poisoning. You really can't get rid of it. It takes a long time. Its spirit lives on a hundred percent. They get rid of the divisions, then the whole ACC becomes the coastal. Coastal, coastal <laughs> as is basically asbestos. It's I was gonna be in the walls. It like cancer or something. Yeah, must be a little no. I think if it's you more, or I think, someone you know has been exposed yeah. to the ACC yeah. Coastal. So yeah, Irk Week was definitely irksome for a lot of uh, teams. We had lots of games where even if the outcome was sort of what we expected, it definitely did not feel good about what they did. We're actually not going to start off with our game of the week. We're going to start with something even dumber. <laughs> oh. I didn't. I didn't know that Auburn Mizzou was going to turn into this, but it got dumb. It, it was it was it was a weird game 
I mean, we had it ranked, I think, like fifth. Yeah, this it week. was up high. Yeah. We were like, we're like eh, we think this is going to be a pretty crazy one. But it, it kind of took the crown, I would say, this week uh, as as we projected. Uh, no offense to Iowa and Rutgers fans. So uh, b- believe me, you guys did great too, sickos wise. Auburn and, and Mizzou was very weird. Like Auburn leapt out to a 14 nothing lead. You're like, wow, Auburn's going to blow them out. This is crazy. Uh, the first quarter ended and everything changed. <laughs> the Mizzou comes back and scores 14 points. They tie it up. It's 14-14 and a halftime. You're like, okay. Then the second half started. And oh, God, I don't know what happened. 12 straight possessions with ending in punts in that game. It, it was it was absolutely. The, the second half turned into a, an argument against college football. Basically, if someone if I showed someone that, it was like, this sport is great. They would look like I was crazy. Just so we're clear, that second half, the two teams together did not get to 100 yards. Combined, yes. Combined. Yep. Auburn had three rushing yards and 42 passing yards. Whereas, oh, by the way, those three rushing yards for Auburn were over 14 attempts. That's bad. And like, okay, that, that counts like, like college football is weird in those stats. Cause it counts. Like if it's sat, the count sacks as rushing plays, whatever. Fine. Yeah. However, dot, dot, dot. Oh, this is what you got to have the announcer say. We're in a defensive struggle. Yeah. This is also, this is the same thing. I'm like, Oh, in baseball, it's a pitcher's duel. No, man. <laughs> All it is, is just, no one can do anything. The defenses weren't good. It was just, it was like watching one of those old, like those vibrating football tables where you turn it on and all the players just sort of like vibrates and all the players just sort of like go across the thing and, and they, they just all fall over. Randomly, they just they all, all fall over. over. Yeah. Great. That's what this was. Do you think they miss Bo Nix? Cause at least like with Bo Nix, there was some excitement. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, there was that wild card, um, right. you know, LSU yeah. last year, which was like, yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. It was, it was not fun. Bo Nix right now has to feel like the happiest man alive. Mm-hmm. He's just out mm-hmm. there. Bonex is just enjoying Oregon. Happy, things are going fine. If he yeah, if he fucks up, dude, are no people like screaming for his head on the radio? No, mm-hmm. it's Oregon. They're just like like it's a whole different environment. I feel like he is going to grow his beard out and just like life is going to be good for him out there. This was a good choice mm-hmm. for him. After the game, I just want to point out that I guess some people were asking Harson about his biggest challenge. He said it was keeping players focused despite outside noise. And the, hinting that the media and fans were their biggest challenge. <laughs> Matt Scalisi, I think is his name, retweeted this and said, wow, impressive that the media and fans only allowed Auburn to convert three of 16 third downs today. I was laughing his, like too well. I was in tears when I saw this, which it also made me think of. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers this clip, but there's a clip of Will Muschamp when he was the coach at Florida. They were asking him about like at halftime, what, how it was going and whatever. And I don't remember the exact question leading up to this, but he was screaming about overcoming adversity on the field. And I just want to know, do you think Auburn misses him? Because he was a coordinator there for a little while. And I'm just wondering, is he ready to come home? Does he want to just come back? I can see him being the next coach, guys. Brian Harson, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be the head coach of Auburn for the next hundred years until I hear it, until I see otherwise. <laughs> if, if they you, stand behind him. If you ask me what coach was going to get fired today, it was not Jeff Collins. Just yeah, so we're same. clear, it was not no, Jeff no. Collins. So I feel like I feel like Brian Harson is trying to do that George Costanza thing from Seinfeld to try to get fired from the Yankees, and Harson's yeah. trying to do it. <laughs> but no matter what he's doing right now, he keeps somehow winning the game. Like Missouri should have won this game twice. Missouri had a kick 
for like 26 yards to win the game. They they missed it. Apparently, their their thicker kicker uh, doesn't take warm ups. Nope. Like he just, oh okay, and then nope. he comes on there and like just just misses it. And they're like no warm ups. I I got this. And he's talking, and then he just goes and misses it. He even signals like it's good, and it it clearly wasn't good. And then in in overtime, Mizzou, you know they they hold Auburn to a field goal. Auburn shanks the field goal like wide left, like horribly. But guess what? Mizzou is offsides. Oh, hey. So Auburn gets another chance. And then Auburn actually makes the field goal this time. And it was like the the weirdest Bronx cheer you could ever hear out of Jordan Hare. And it was it was nuts. Then Missouri has a chance to win it. And the running back is going in to win. Like he is literally, he's weaved his way through the the Auburn defense and he is going in to win the game. And then for some reason, which I don't think he even needed to do this. No, he didn't. Decides to extend the ball, like switch yeah. hands, change the ball. And then in that process, he drops it and it goes into the end zone and Auburn recovers. It almost like, looked like a celebration. And I was like, no, this is why you don't do that. It was not good. It was bad. I, I feel so bad. I feel so bad for that. But Mizzou should have won this. And then I feel like Brian Hartson, like his expression, like he was just like expressionless. He was just like, hey, I was trying to get, I was trying to get fired. I am George Costanza trying to get fired. And then for some odd reason, I'm streaking the field in a bodysuit in Jordan Hare Stadium. It's like, hey, and it's like, hey, it's the bodysuit man. And Brian Harson's the bodysuit man, and they just can't fire him. And I cannot wait for Auburn and LSU this week. I I was at last year um, the Florida at Missouri game, which Florida lost, and then Dan Mullen was fired. And uh, the thought crossed my mind at the end of towards the end of this game when I thought that Missouri was gonna win, that we were gonna have to start like a body count for Eli, like the number of coaches that he was getting fired, but we could not add this one, at least. Not yet. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, it, it was not fun to watch. It was like being in purgatory. It was just, yeah, it was not enjoyable. We'll go on to our game of the week, which ended up being, it hit the over. Can we just say that it hit the over? We were very happy with that because I didn't bet on it. And if you did, congratulations. The over was, I think, 35-ish. And mm-hmm. that sounds right. And it, it was 35 and a half or 34 and a half or something like that. But why did it hit the over? A 51-yard field goal was doinked in. Barely, if that's not a metaphor for made. the Iowa offense, a doinked field goal to hit 27 points. That's Iowa right there, baby. I should have picked some weird aspect of Iowa's game every week to start betting on. It would have been the under for a while. I don't know if I would have picked the under going into this game. But, yeah. It seemed, it's, it, seemed, it seemed too low. Even yeah. Like like I am a sicko, but that seemed too low. I like I even like in good conscience couldn't take that under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all the other ones were like forty plus points. I think. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, we've just been alerted to it in real time. It's a Sunday night football game that's going on right now. Uh, there has been a Dan Orlovsky safety by the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo has just Step stepped out of the back of the end zone. Jesus um, Christ. The NFL is, is really calling the Sickos Committee with the butt punt safety today, um, which we that was amazing. And then now and they won it and they we won have it. and they won it. It, it, it kind of worked out for the best here. And then this one, uh, Garoppolo stepped out of the back of the end zone before he threw a pick six. So it actually saved them points. <laughs> amazing. Wait, wait. <laughs> he stepped he stepped out of the end zone and still managed to throw a pick six. No, like, no, no. And, and he stepped out first. 
and then oh, in gotcha. the in the process of throwing a pick six, so they had to review it. It's a safety instead of a pick six. <laughs> all right, we can continue. But NFL, I, I we can't cover all this stuff. This is like we're we're only a few people in the committee. We may have to expand to cover the NFL. But I mean, you're calling us today. I'll just say that. If I told you that Rutgers had 150 more yards than Iowa on offense, does that shock you? Yeah, it does me at least. Yeah, because Rutgers got over 400 yards of offense. That seems aggressive. Wow, that seems aggressive. You know, we, we you you hear about it's the Iowa defense that like was like rock rock hard, Ugh. like but it's true. <laughs> it's it's true. Like like Rutgers got all these yards and then just did not like it evaporated in their hands. They couldn't do anything with it. Whereas Iowa, they scored a touchdown and it was a touchdown and a field goal. So ten points. No, it was more than that. Hold up. What was the break? What was the breakdown? They're scoring timeout. My brain's. Uh, it was a, it was a field goal on the opening drive, which I, I was like, "Wow, Rutgers running down the field, uh, this is crazy!" And then they they had to settle for a field goal. Then you know Iowa punted, uh, which was normal. Then Rutgers threw a pick six. Then there was some. There was a punt, and then a punt, and then a punt, then another punt. Then uh, Rutgers fumble, so scoop and score for Iowa. And then all of a sudden it's fourteen three. Yeah, I, I mean the the Iowa defense scores more than the Iowa offense. I I feel like that's accurate. No, that so on so the year, I think on the year it. for sure. For on the year yeah. for sure. But in this game, Iowa defense scored fourteen. Iowa offense scored thirteen. Rutgers scored ten. <laughs> Just as Brian Ferentz wanted it. <laughs> Beautiful. That's it. Absolutely. Again, he's an artist, guys. He's an artist. Some people gorgeous. paint. You paint with whatever colors you have. The best was that the broadcast leaned into it. Like they knew what they had. So at the very end, like these great shots of the two punters shaking hands, like framed like gods. It was beautiful. It was, it was the most, Oh God, it was so good. It it reminded me of Carl Weathers and, uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger and predator, like shaking hands. Like it was very much like one of those moments. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just very, very Midwestern for Iowa to be like this. Like we can't get too fancy on offense. Can't be fancy, can't be flashy. No, what's gonna be as what, vanilla as possible? What would what would the, what would the people at church on Sunday think if you were that fa- if you were that flashy? Mm-hmm. Too flashy. Mm-hmm. There, was, there, was one, there was one. There was one pass that they actually threw downfield for Iowa, and and I think it was like maybe like a forty yard gain. Like we we follow a lot of Iowa accounts now because I mean they they've been our our number one sickos team so far this year. Not ranked officially yet, but poll coming after next week's games. That's right. Uh, but there was like a forty yard like deep go route by a tight end for Iowa and the converted, uh, they, they wound up having to settle for a field goal, but that's classic Iowa, but they're showing highlights highlights of that 40 yard pass over and over today, celebrating <laughs> that deep pass. I love you, Iowa fans. You, you bring us great joy. Uh, just <laughs> celebrating that 40 yard, like go route by a tight end. <laughs> it's just, it's just magical. Hawkeye football, catch the fever. Hey, uh, Kamish, is Syracuse good? I, I still don't know. <laughs> I just don't. Like, there's been so many people in the beginning of the game. Like, Syracuse went out to a ten nothing lead, and then they started replying to our initial post of "Is Syracuse good?" Like, yes, they're good. They're good. And then the same people later on in the game in the second half, they're like, "Let me take that back. I don't think they're good." <laughs> Like they were like, I'm gonna own up to this one. I don't know for sure, and and I don't think 
We got an answer. I really don't know because the first three games of the season, Syracuse didn't turn the ball over at all. Didn't turn the ball over yep. once. They didn't great. turn the ball. They had zero turnovers. This game, they turned it over four times. Four times. And they likely should have lost this game, but they were playing Virginia, who was basically doing the same thing that Syracuse was doing. So it's perfect, perfect, like, Friday night sickos football. Like, these games are just, like, they're just ridiculous. They they go back and forth. I mean, Syracuse had had five field goals. They had to hit five field goals. That was just uh, – and then Virginia was just like, okay, you turn the ball over. Let me give it right back to you. Uh, it was just a classic of, again, the ACC coastal fever is spreading in the ACC. And and we're not going to get an answer to this, is Syracuse good. They play FCS Wagner, who I don't think has won a game in a few years, right? One of the, they're one of the worst FCS teams, yeah. Yeah, they're one of the worst Ooh. FCS teams. So we're not going to get an answer to that. So Syracuse is going to be 5-0. and They're going to be 5-0. and We don't even know if they're good. And That's amazing. I'm, I mean, let's, speaking of artists, like, that's great. Good for them scheduling those games. Good for them. I mean, this doesn't even take into account how weird the rest of that game was. Virginia misses, misses two field goals, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, just like completely misses it. Syracuse, Virginia didn't score their first points until the third quarter. Yep. They were and down 16 nothing. 16 nothing, and still almost won this thing. Yeah, they, they were leading 20 to 19. And then Syracuse got their fifth field goal to, to take the lead. And Virginia had a chance to drive down and and win to kick a field goal, which we don't know if they would have made it because they missed a few. Anyway, I, I don't know. It's just like, I feel like Virginia could have won and Syracuse, but Syracuse did win. And, and again, they're 4-0. They, there's, there's and, some, ranked, and ranked in the coaches poll. They are ranked 25th in the coaches poll. Also, on top of this, I believe they got some votes in the AP poll. So some yeah. AP voters are starting to consider Syracuse good. They They've got... Also receiving votes, twenty-two votes. Twenty-two. So, so there is there is some talk about is Syracuse good? There's a campaign. I love it. Last weekend, when I, I was home watching games with my family, <clears throat> and my parents watched Syracuse Purdue and loved every minute of it. I think oh, my yeah. parents are secret sickos for sure. And so I texted on Thursday night to ask if they were watching, and of course they were. My dad was, yeah, oh yeah, he was loving it. Beautiful mess, absolute beautiful mess. So we will we will keep track of whether Syracuse is good. What is their next big game after the Wagner game? NC State. Where? It is in the in the Carrier Dome. We're we're still calling it oh, the Carrier no. Dome. Oh, oh it's no. the Carrier Dome. It will never be anything but the Carrier Dome. That's oh, right. I'm excited. I'm excited now. Mm-hmm. That that game is gonna have okay, so I don't know what else is going on that, that week. I'm not gonna look it up, but we need to just commit right now. If Syracuse wins this next week, which they shouldn't, NC State wins this next week, then they should. We're pushing for game day to Syracuse. The only problem uh, is that Clemson and NC State played this weekend, and game day's oh, at NC damn. State. Damn it. So okay. the game day to Syracuse, we'll, we'll, we'll see. If NC State wins, I mean, they may get it twice. I don't, I don't know. Thursday night game, which ended up being a hell of a Thursday night game, the Black Diamond Trophy, West Virginia at Virginia Tech. West Virginia looked good for about... Five minutes and then it unraveled very quickly. You mean Virginia uh, Tech? Oh, oh, let me, let me say that again. I can cut it around that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cut around that. This is like when you called Michigan State Western Michigan. It happened. <laughs> oh, it's the other way around. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. We make uh, yeah. mistakes. We don't care. We're sickos. Who cares? Exactly. You know, you know I'm gonna, whatever. I'm going to leave it in. 
Leave it in. I'm I'm here to admit as 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 a as a guy who is approaching forty and trying to you know find my happiness. You take your L's. You admit when you're wrong. Being a good dad, being a good role model, same thing. Sure. I make mistakes just like everyone else. And I'm sure just, these two fan bases are totally fine with that. I don't think so. but Not at all. Well, I, I mean, think, West Virginia will probably cut you some slack. Um, yeah. Virginia Tech, eh, I don't know. They, I mean, they, they, they seem kind of bummed after this one. Um, there's still some missing pieces, I would say, on the offense. Virginia Tech's defense looks great. The only problem is Virginia Tech's defense kept committing penalties over and over and just West Virginia was trying to just basically give the game away to Virginia Tech but then Virginia Tech was just like no I uh, we, we we were offsides nope defensive holding on us nope uh, pass interference on us and this was a home game for Virginia Tech so it, it was just like they just kept committing error after error and then West Virginia took like a one possession lead and then here comes basically everything crashing down in the second half I just want to give a shout out to the helmet guys, the construction helmet guys. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yes, the, the two West Virginia overall wearing construction helmet guys banging the heads with each other. You know, some guys being dudes watching Mountaineer football. It was that was great. I mean, it's fun to see when you have like a Friday night game or something like that, and you have good traveling support for West Virginia. I'm sure their coach feels a little bit better in, in not being on the hot seat as much now after after winning the Black Diamond Trophy. The, the penalties were insane. The other thing that really stood out to me was the fact that it felt like Virginia. It was it was at some point that I think of like a quarter of all West Virginia first downs at one point were because of penalties. Yes, like they kept extending those drives, and so yeah, it was ridiculous. It, yeah, it was. It's just absolutely insane that off they the kept... top of your head, how many penalty yards do you think Virginia Tech had? It was over a hundred, like one hundred and ten. Closest without going over, I'm going to go like one thirty. One thirty. Okay, uh, without going over, you're correct, Katie. Um, yes. One hundred and thirty-two penalty yards. Oh my god! <laughs> there was fifteen That's penalties. Fifteen so penalties. Bad. For 132 yards for Virginia Tech. So, yeah, if they can get that corrected, which, I mean. That's a football field and a third, just so we're all clear. Wow. That's bad. Yes. It's a lot of yards. It's a lot of yards. It's a lot, yeah. Wow. Mm. That's fresh. Ooh, yeah. Mm. That's not good. So, so West Virginia was four for 13 on third downs. God. That normally, Mm. without the penalty first down. So, yeah. If, yeah. if they didn't give up that many first downs by penalty, which I don't have that stat. Yeah, they, they gave up a lot of first downs via penalty yardage. So, yes. The the banger of a game was one that we had pegged, and I think we were pretty close about it. Duke at Kansas ended up being a great game. Game day should have been there. Game day should have been there. It was it was so good. Watching mm-hmm. the Kansas, uh, was it a running back? The guy that like took the spin and like burst through like four bodies. I think it was him, yeah. I think it was Kansas yeah. has Kansas has some dudes out there. Lance Leopold, like, good for him, man. Wow. They looked I mean, absolutely jacked. Amazing. They were just, like, like running through walls. That was a fun game. Yeah, it was very fun. And Duke, Duke was fighting back, too. Duke oh, that's didn't it, that's stop. It. I mean, like, I mean, Kansas basically kind of had this game in hand, but Duke kept keeping the game within one possession. And this is fun to talk about, like, Duke football and Kansas football. This mm-hmm. is, again, you reserve this for, like, the Final Four, which I, I'm sure both schools are just like, we're trying not to just be basketball schools. And yeah. it feels good when 
when you had a great game between between two teams that basically have not been great in football, I mean, sustained basically ever, uh, yeah. essentially. They've had moments of greatness, uh, like years of greatness, but nothing sustained. So, I mean, right. Duke looks like looks like they got a good head coach in Elko from A mm-hmm. and M, the defensive coordinator. And then Kansas, I mean, leave Kansas's coach alone for like a little bit. I mean, don't be like, don't be sending him to Nebraska. Like if he stays at Kansas, <laughs> I mean, if he stays at Kansas and he builds them into a football powerhouse, which I mean, at this point, I mean they're four and zero, but and they should be ranked, of course. Who knows? Uh, it should be I mean, this dude would definitely have like a statue or maybe a stadium named after himself if he stays. Is this where I complain about the fact that Kansas was number twenty six the AP poll just outside the numbers? Yeah, that's that's dumb. That's so oh. dumb. So angry. Kansas playing in all red. I loved it. It was gr- aggressive and bold, and I loved it. Like it I, looked like Texas Tech or like NC State out there. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. One thing I wanted to say. You remember that in the summer there was a the guy that had like four hundred helmets in his front lawn. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yes. And everybody was giving him grief because he had like forty three Kansas helmets. Helmets. I bet you this dude is living his best life right now. Oh Oh. my God. He's a Kansas fan. He's a Kansas. He was a Kansas football fan. So this guy has got to be going bananas right now, which is awesome. We're happy for him. TCU takes the skillet from SMU in a game that was not as close as the score told us. Biggest thing here was this was uh, Sonny Dyke's big return Mm -hmm. to SMU. And apparently he got a rough a rough welcome from the t- from the SMU fans, which again I understand that that makes total sense to me. Whew. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. There was some mm-hmm. there was some game day signs that they had out there that, that went maybe a little too far. It was never going to be a pleasant return back to Gerald Ford, not that one stadium, but it was sure. a lot a lot messier than we thought it was. SMU, I think, is still a really good team. I just don't think they're where TCU is right now, which. That makes sense. I mean, it was a yeah. close game at the end. Like TCU almost gave it away. They they honestly almost gave it away at the end. And yeah. uh, SMU almost, you know, they were they were in the TCU was in like coast mode. Like, yeah, we have like X amount of point lead, and then SMU just ran out of time in one of those. But it was it was a good game, very hostile environment. But uh, TCU definitely does get to to get that iron skillet back. I really want SMU to be good just because Pony Excess is one of my favorite 30 for 30s. I mean, it's so well done. And them doing the whole pony up, like, and like just leading into it, it's great. I want, I so badly want for them to be good. So, so badly. I might adopt them as my second team behind Florida State because it's just, it's so fun. It's so they fun. are. Yeah. And, and I think they're one of those teams that football is more fun when they're good. Yes. Yes. There are certain teams like that. Aggies beat the Hogs on something that I didn't think I'd ever see again. If you don't remember, folks, earlier this year, watching Tulsa and Wyoming, someone kicked a field goal and it bounced off the literal top of the upright. And I'm not talking about like off the bar. I mean, it hit the rounded top of the upright yes. and, and then came forward. Yep. And we saw that and went, that's that's one in a million. We will never see that again. A couple weeks later, on Three a bigger stage, <laughs> on a bigger stage. Again. Arkansas, Arkansas goes for the game winner field goal and just no one could quite tell what they'd seen. The kicker looked visibly distraught. 
not just in a, oh, I missed a big game, but like physics broke on me. <laughs> I mean, that's again, like we talked about this when Wyoming did it. Wyoming was doing it for the win. They were tied against Tulsa and they, they eventually won in overtime. I think the kick for Arkansas, there was like a minute 30 left and they, they went to I guess take the lead and hopefully to hang on for the lead in the situation. And, and basically the best part about this was the crowd behind the goalpost because they, they didn't know what happened either. No. Like the, the kick went up, it hit the top of the upright and shot like straight up and then came forward and slowly dropped right in front of the, the uprights, the Aggie fans that, that we follow and that follow us are like, they're just calling it the oink doink They're I mean, this is just, they're like making like gifts, gifs of, of everything in this this situation, and they're they're loving it. And it's just like the fans behind the field goal. They were just like, what? And like they saw it, and then the ball went up, and they they didn't know what to react. And so like there's a moment of everybody in the crowd just frozen, like what happened? And then they finally see the ball hit the ground, and they go, no good. And then everybody reacts after that. It was just. No. I just I just posted something in the Discord, guys. I just posted the EPA chart. Go ahead and open up the Discord. I want you to look at that Arkansas. This is the this is the cumulative EPA. Mm. You should look at that Arkansas line, and I want you to tell me the story about that drop. <laughs> okay, uh, so Arkansas is at Anum's, I think one or two yard line. Real, real close. Yeah, they're about to go in, and then and then it's a fumble, and Anum picks up the fumble, and they start running down the side, and the, the they're wrapping them up for a tackle, and then all of a sudden, here's a late pitch down the sideline. There goes A and M all the way down the field for a 99 yard scooping score, basic swing of about 12 to 13 points in yep. EPA. And then from that point, like Arkansas was dead in the water, and then they fought back, and then they have the the top of the upright thing. It was just like it was one of those days that I don't think it was meant to be for Arkansas, essentially. Mm. It was just one of those crushing, irking losses to Anna. The best part about the fumble, though, was that he tried to jump in the end zone from about four yards away. <laughs> he tried to launch into it, came up way short, and the ball goes flying. And then what happens over the next like 30 seconds is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Just bad tackling that pitch, which was... I don't even know how he got the ball off. I didn't even know what happened. And all of a sudden, like the guys going down the sideline and then AM's like doing the, like waving them through like the air mm-hmm. traffic controller to, to get them to the end zone. Here's your, here's your like, runway. Here's your runway. Go this way. Go that way. Like, yeah. And they're like waving towels and stuff. And I'm like, what, what happened? I had no idea. I had to watch the play like four or five times to figure out what happened and how he got the ball. Cause it wasn't like a, like just a little toss. You could barely see the toss or, or the, the handoff almost essentially to the guy. Like I'm being tackled here. Here's my teammate. Take the ball and go score a touchdown. It was, it's nuts uh, again. And that, that loss is going to irk, mm-hmm. irk the crap out of Arkansas. I'll just say that they're going to become mm-hmm. Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I uh, I, I, I'm going to look <laughs> up real fast. What they're, what AM and Arkansas's like record recent recent record is in this series. It's I it's very frustrating for Arkansas. So it's, yes. So AM figures out a way to win. Oh so, so since 2012, Arkansas has won once. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and that was last year. And right. And all these games are one score ish or like, I remember these. I remember all these games being just like brutal losses. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. The, so the pain will continue. Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. They're quite. Arkansas. I started typing this and I finished, I didn't finish because my timer went off in the kitchen. I just realized this, but at some point I want to start calculating how much each touchdown this season is costing A&M. Cause right now those touchdowns are pretty expensive. Like uh, yeah, real expensive with Jimbo's salary. Yeah. By the end of the season, hopefully we're going to, you know, dollar cost average that down. But right now that's expensive because he's not got a ton of offensive touchdowns. And we're only going to do offensive. We're not doing defensive touchdowns. Makes only sense. offensive. Kamish. Yeah. Tell us, about, tell us about the battle of the bayou. All right. Woo. All right. Yes. The, the Warhawks defeated the Raging Cajuns. What a, what a lovely win. ULM beat the Cajuns for the first time since 2017. Heck yeah. The the series now is like I think it's twenty eight to twenty six overall, so ULM is is approaching the the tie. Hopefully they can tie it back up. But this one I, I was watching the game of course, and it, it was like seventeen seven, and nobody was getting anything done in the second half. I, I decided as soon as the fourth quarter started, I started to to drink uh, because I was like, oh, this is not good. I mean, they're not playing well at all, and then. Uh, as I started drinking, uh, the Cajuns long snapper snapped one over the head <laughs> of the punter. Uh, and the punter recovered it at like the eight-yard line. And ULM was able to punch that in for a touchdown. Then it's 17-14. And then basically ULM's uh, defense was just holding the Cajuns in check, which was amazing to me. And then they force a punt. And then ULM hits like a big 89-yard play. A, and they get tackled down like by their shoestrings at the one yard line. They punch it in for a win, and then I don't know why Terry Bowden did this, but they, they had a fourth and one at like the Cajuns forty three with like a minute to go. I can't believe they he did this. They could they could have went for it to put it away, but no, he wanted me to have a heart attack. But then you know ULM's defense was able to get a sack once like the Cajuns got all the way down to like ULM's forty two. Mm-hmm. They won it. I mean, I'm I'm happy. For Terry Bowden, we got to see him dance in the end zone. Yeah. Oh, the end zone. We got to see amazing. him dance in the locker room. The Terry Bowden, I don't even know what he's doing. He's like convulsing. It reminded me, again, more Seinfeld references here, of Elaine, Elaine with the little kicks. It was ridiculous. Uh, there's a radio show, like, after they interviewed Terry Bowden, and he was like, he was so excited. I think it was like uh, 105.3 radio there in, in Monroe. We... We whipped their ass. And then he immediately apologized for cussing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get the audio of that. I want to, you know, if we ever make a podcast intro, I want to have Terry Bowden saying we whipped their ass and then immediately apologizing for cussing after that. But that's a great win for ULM. They're two and two. Their only two losses are to Texas and Bama. So, you know, hey, they do have to go to Arkansas State, which they have not beat since like 2006, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's been a while. it's been a long time, and uh, but oh, I mean it's great for the program. I'll just say that Monroe was Malone was rocking after the game, so it's, it's great for for little ULM to get their victory. Uh, yeah, the Cherry Mountain dancing so good. It was so good. We need I mean, a mashup of all the coaches dancing, like Terry Bowden, Mac Brown, Nick Saban. Oh. I mean, so many of them have done it, and it's so great. I want a mashup mm-hmm. of that at some point. Hey Sooners, you have a Kansas State problem. It's it's in the walls, y'all. Kansas State mm-hmm. is 
absolutely just has your number. I think what's, uh-huh. what's the stat? Kansas stat had one AP top 10 win from 36 to 94, 1936 to 1994. If y'all don't know, and maybe like maybe our listeners are, are became cognizant of college football later on, but until Bill Snyder got there the first time, Kansas State was the worst program in college football, full stop. They were oh. bad, bad, bad. Uh, I mean, like, I did. I did the history of them when I was doing the decision, the adopted G5 decision tree thing that I was doing over the offseason. And, and and I was just like, hey, Bill Snyder is a legend. I mean, just looking at their records, I'm like, oh, my God. They were like, I knew they were bad, but like, I didn't know they were that bad. Like Ooh. lots of lots of zero win seasons. Yes. Just yeah. Throughout bad. history. And so so one AP top 10 win from 1936 to 1994. And the last four seasons, it has three top 10 wins against Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, I bet you Sooners fans just hate the color purple. Like anytime yeah. they see the color purple, they're just, mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I bet Brett Venables, like the few shots I saw of him, he was rabid. It was not good. And it's it weird because Brett Venables played for Kansas State. <laughs> he was not pleased. I was enjoying it. I was enjoying it so much. Oh yeah, he knows. Like he knows. He knows what it's like. It was rough, but it was beautiful. I loved watching the end of that game. It was so great. The other irk game <clears throat> after I watched game day on Saturday morning and saw that everyone picked Texas, I screen capped it because I knew I knew that that was mm. going to be it. And lo and Kiss behold, death, man. Kiss Texas, Texas Tech, guns up! You beat Texas, and oh, absolutely, so yeah. Texas had a bad day. And but I think that undersells how good tech looked. Because mm-hmm. tech looked because tech actually looked really good. It was just bad times in Lubbock. We I mean we get sucked in every year. And this year I legitimately after the Alabama game thought, oh, Texas is back. I don't I don't know, guys. I don't know. That was a fun game though, too. That was a very fun game. Again, every time I see that video of the Texas fan. It's like a two-minute TikTok of him talking himself into being a Texas fan again and fully buying everything. <laughs> every time, every time Texas loses or they have a close loss or something like that, I just reference that video. It's it's so good, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "What are you talking about? I can't, I'm not buying into this. We were five and seven last year." Oh, like oh, but did you see Quinn throw that pass? <laughs> it's just like, it's like <laughs> just like, it was just it's so ridiculous. They do this every year. They're two and two. They have the same record as ULM. They did beat the ULM fifty-two to ten. So I'll give Texas that. But rank them one. They're, they're, they're rank them one above then. This is one, one slightly above. Forty-two points above. Yeah, but no, it just seems like this one. It like they always have trouble with Texas Tech in recent history. It's like mm-hmm. the, it's the Crabtree curse. I, I'm going to call it when they go to Lubbock. It, it is so hard for Texas to get out of there with a win. Uh, after the game, there was a tech fan, uh, a tech townie, I believe. Uh, he rushed the field, immediately found the Bevo mascot, who I believe, or I, I just learned, is called Hook'em. That's Hook'em, yes. Yeah, that's yeah, not the, the mascot, real Bevo. He's like the fake not one. Not the yeah. real Bevo. And, and and I do the, the horns down rating scale. I gave him a, a million out of 10 for that one, which is basically a, a very bad Sickos committee uh, plagiarism of the we rate dogs where no matter what type of horns down it is <laughs> it's just basically it's 13 and a half out of 10 
eh, whatever. I, th- I gave this one a million out of ten to do that, and then like like Hook'em actually giving like the positive Hook'em back That's... after that was kind of. And they were huddling, you know, because again, everybody's rushing the field. It's understandable. I, I think. How many points do you get if you actually give horns down to Bevo? Oh, like a the, lot, a lot. Well, I mean, is Bevo in a cage, or is okay, it let's, like? Let's let's say let's say you are you are out. Okay, we are in a large field. Okay, it is you and Bevo separated okay. by about let's say like five yards. And you flash right. the horns down to Bevo. Okay. Willie, Willie, like, okay. I don't know if that's like I, red to him. He's, he's I mean, he's charge. a bit, well, so, so I don't know. Cause Bevo is, Bevo is, is trained to be a very Zen animal. Cause of that fucking cannon. Yeah. So like yeah. clearly Bevo is a very Zen creature again, but I also don't know if they train him that, that the horns down is like the red flag to him. Fascinating to me. Two things. One, <laughs> have you guys seen a video where he tries to go after Uga? Um, amazing so good so well three things here actually number two i love that video number two um one of my dreams for college football i think one of the ways to make the sport better is to have live animals every every school who has an animal mascot have live animals bring out the kickoff tee and then or excuse me uh, bring it out and then take it off i think it would be amazing like think of famu with the rattlers think of a rattlesnake going out there so good (laughs) Like Texas Christian CCU, a frog coming out with that thing. It's just so good. It's so I good. Like I like this. <clears throat> yes. Okay. And number three, I really think they should, tr- they should train Bevo that horns down is like a red flag and he charges whoever does it. I think it'd be amazing. Good. Doing horns down is so satisfying. It's so satisfying. Like this is all I want to do all day, all day. It's so good. What so is good. the most ridiculous mascot you could think of bringing out a kickoff team? For a long time, it was the FAMU with the rat rattlesnake because I just think it'd be really funny. I like that. But more recently, I've thought of the cute ones being funny. So like a bear coming out with it, like it's that's also really funny. Yeah, I don't know. Or I, like, I would... If we were the NFL, like dolphins or something with a fish, also funny. There's a lot of opportunity. I've thought a lot about this. I really want it to happen. I really want it to happen. So bad. Ralph, so Ralphie, bad. Ralphie, the, Ralph, Ralphie the buffalo just calmly coming out, yes! and just like yes! nudging it into place. Yes. What, yeah, what about like a chilling. really, really, a really, really slow mascot? Like maybe the Terrapin? Just taking oh, like, yeah. like also 30, good, also 30, good. Thirty minutes. They put the the T on the back of the shell, yes. and yes. then just slowly. <laughs> yes. Poor Testudo, by the way. Testudo yes. definitely got taken out on the sideline. Taken the out. <laughs> oh God. Like one of the players got blocked into. Oh, was it a Maryland player blocking a Michigan player into yeah, him? The Michigan, yeah, the Michigan player. The was, Maryland player blocked a Michigan player. It's a friendly fire. You took out your own mascot, essentially, Maryland. I mean, that's not how we know September Maryland, but that was just not. <laughs> mascots so were mascots were uh, some big targets this weekend. I'll say that Brutus got yeah laid out. Oh my god! By the bubble, by the bubble, dude. Brutus got. And he did laid. a nice little flip and recovered well, though. A very oh, well, like a very good recovery. Apparently, the they first... had to send him. In, they had to send him in concussion protocols. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he's fine. But they had to like double check to make sure. I would too, man. He took a he took a hit oh. and then he rolled. And he got back up, but like, oh man, Brutus Brutus definitely got blindsided. <laughs> Yeah. It looked like it, it looked the way he popped up. It reminded me of uh, of Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka, where he takes the like he comes out of the factory, takes the two spins, and like pops up. 
That's exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> I, I love the, the my favorite ones is, with the horns down are just it, when it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're like East Carolina playing, I, I don't know, App State and you have you have never played Texas. Texas is nowhere near involved. And then like they shoot in the crowd and there's like a kid going horns down. It it's a great I don't know what it is. It's great. Uh the score to give you know, horns down to actual Bevo. You know, again, this is kind of one that uh, it, it was a big one. I was going to go with 10,000, but then I changed it to million in the moment. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's 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 better opportunities. I, they just need to present themselves and we will definitely rate them uh, on an unofficial scale that is completely made up and I just do on the fly. I think the U, well, so Miami had a great weekend. They beat Did Northwestern. They? No, they beat Northwestern. Now Miami, Miami also had a very bad weekend. The Red Hawks had a great weekend. They had a great weekend. They flew the pirate flag <laughs> over Northwestern. Uh, Miami, the, the, Florida, the, not so much. Um, Miami is zero three all time again against Middle Tennessee. If yeah. you told me that yeah. Rick's it, uh, those first two games were back in the thirties, if you told me Rick Stockstill was coaching. Mitsu in the thirties. I probably believe you. I have no clue. As far as I'm concerned, he's been there forever. Um, he was not. And I shared this with the commissioner. I found out because my parents were listening to the podcast. I did this before he oh, played no. football at Florida state with my dad. Oh, wow. Um, yes, yes. And so wow. even better story of this. So my dad dated his sister, <laughs> what? which go. is really fun. And, Apparently, um, so my dad was on the scouting team at Florida State. He wasn't on like the, at least mm-hmm. at the, this time he was on the scouting team. And apparently when you're on the scouting team, you can go to the other games. So he was supposed to go to the Florida State at Florida game um, and w- I, like told, I guess, this gal, whoever Rick, um, Rick's sister was, that he wasn't going to go. But then last minute decided to go with his dad. And apparently ran into her on the way out of the game. And I was like, dad. And he's like, yeah, Ooh. it was not a good move. And I was like, buddy. Buddy, but anyways, yeah, my dad played football. My dad knows him and played football with him at Florida. That's State. awesome. So he was not coaching there in the thirties, okay. but he might have right after he left Florida State in the early that would have been early eighties. Yeah, this does, however, mean that this was just a lot of Miami hate built up into in a Florida State player. This 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 beatdown actually makes yes. a lot more sense now. Yes, yeah. it does. Right, right. I mean, and oh man, did they did they take it to him? So when I do the weekly rankings, I never know how many games I'm going to rank like with like the sickos advisory watch in morning. Basically it's a, it's, it's kind of a gut thing. And I ranked 36 games this week and I picked 36 games. I think I had it up to 40 and then I cut a few. Yeah. Uh, I left this middle Tennessee at Miami game at 36 at the lowest one that I had ranked as like a sickos advisory. Like, we don't think a sickos game could break out, but if it would, if it does, uh, basically we're going to upgrade it. So after the first two passes that Miami threw, uh, I immediately upgraded it to a sickos watch. And then after the 71 yard touchdown pass that middle Tennessee threw, it was a sickos warning for the rest of the game. This was something that I, I can't believe what Miami did. Like they just, it was a combination of Middle Tennessee just taking it to them, and Miami just wasn't ready. Like the first pass that Van Dyke threw, interception. The second pass that Van Dyke threw, interception, return for a touchdown. Uh, the next possession, Miami got the ball back, 
fumbled it back to Middle Tennessee. Like three turnovers in their first three possessions. It was ridiculous. And then they just could never cut into that 14-point lead. They give up touchdowns of 69, 71, and 98-yard touchdown passes. And that 90, I don't that, that 98 one was a beautiful. 98. It was just like they just stopped Miami on downs. Yeah. And then the immediate next play, 98-yard touchdown pass. And then Miami, the next play after that, took the kick return for a touchdown. But uh, <laughs> this game was just wild. Very this was sneaky. Yeah. Yes. I, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't on Twitter very much yesterday. I had friends over watching games. Uh, and my mom texted me at 4.22 p.m. and was like, hey, Middle Tennessee is beating Miami 17-3. Because I would not have paid attention otherwise. No. Yeah. Well, I had the... Yeah. As soon as as soon as they said the like I think I had the game like on the tablet, but it made it to the main screen after the pick six. And I never took it off. I never took it off after that one. And it was just like I mean, I, I can't believe I mean Middle Tennessee like took it to him. Like Miami was just expending so much energy to catch up. Their defense was just absolutely gassed. Yeah. And I don't know I, I've never seen Middle Tennessee just like throw I mean, they were just throwing bombs and hitting them, like, in stride. Just perfect passes. Like, I, I mean, Middle Tennessee had probably, like, their best game I've ever seen them play. It, it was just, they were on fire, and Miami just, like, gave them three turnovers immediately, and they could just never catch up. This is the same Mitsu that lost by 40 to James Madison in week one. Yep. And then sort of held Colorado State close. Like, no, no, they no. Didn't, they, they, blew didn't... Out. they blew out Colorado State. 34 to 19 is not blowout. Well, it was 34 to nothing. And then okay, that's right. Color, okay. Colorado okay, okay. State. Yes. They blew Colorado State. Okay, fine. Okay. Uh, so, once again, our little circle of, our little transitive circle gets weirder and weirder the further we go into this season. Out, same on Friday, out in the Mountain West. Guys, Boise's sick. And I know that we, all three of us are, are of a certain age where we think of Boise as, these, as a giant killer. And I know that that hasn't been true in like yeah. the last five, six years. Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Right. Like, like we all have these like memories of Boise being, you know, a giant killer, not losing to UTEP on a Friday night. Ugh. They fired their OC after this game, which yep. that's, that's a great choice because their offense was garbage. Dreadful. Yeah. My favorite part about this one, it, it, it completes a weird 17 point circle here. So, oh, yes, it does. It's weird. So, so Boise beat New Mexico by 17. Uh, New Mexico beat UTEP by 17. And then now UTEP beats Boise by 17. Beautiful. College football makes no sense this year. And we love every second of it. There, there was the, the aliens from Sesame Street dressed up in UTEP colors. That was amazing. <laughs> the, the UTEP yip yips. Also, we want to shout out to the random pit fan at the game. Pit. I mean, he's wearing like a Merino jersey and like a pit hat. There were there were jokes made about the 2008 Sun Bowl that we're not allowed to talk about. Has uh, he been? We, has he been there ever since? You think? Well, they did go back in like 2013 or 14 and, and actually scored. You know, again, it's just like I don't know what the story behind it was, but just seeing a random pit fan in like pit clothing at a UTEP and Boise game in El Paso is is kind of the weirdest thing that you would see. And I mean, we had UTEP yip yips at the game. So the Pitt fans did out a little bit more than that. And and speaking of Pitt. Yeah. So Kamish, you, you got, you started this this morning. Uh, this is Sunday. We're recording this. 
Tell me the story about the pit rogue kicker. All right. So Pitt's playing Pat Narduzzi's, uh, where he he's alumnus from Rhode Island. So we, we knew this with Pit Girl when we previewed uh, last week. In this situation, Pitt scores a touchdown with like a minute 11 left in the game. Rhode Island roughs the kicker. The kicker is unable to go out and kick the, the kickoff. And due to the roughing that Pitt's kicking off from like their fifty from the fifty yard line in the situation, so this is very weird, and I don't necessarily know what happened in this case. So now you have like a backup or third string kicker for Pitt out there kicking off. Okay. Now they're up 45-24. It's meaningless. It's a minute something left. It's ridiculous. Then the the kicker decides to kick it on sides, and he runs up and he recovers it. Because there's like a huge hole and, and Rhode Island just leaving it open and then mm-hmm. think there would be an onside kick whatsoever. The kicker gets the onside kick. He's celebrating like all of all of the uh the sideline, the players are celebrating. Narduzzi is furious with him. And then the special <laughs> the special teams coach is just like just lacing into him, just yelling, just living on the sidelines. He's, I mean, absolutely live. I mean, he is just so livid on the sidelines. He's like screaming at him. So I don't know if it's just like, hey, you are a third string kicker. Don't you dare get hurt. I'm like, there's a minute 11 left. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. But I I don't know what it is. Narduzzi, after the game, says that he didn't call it. He denies that it was intentional for the onside kick. So it's a rogue kicker theory in this situation. And I'm like, okay. So a third string walk-on kicker decides to kick an onside kick by himself. And he recovers it himself. And, and like, I I think I coined the phrase, like, in the replies because the initial tweet got a lot of traction. And then I had some slight corrections to it uh, in this situation. The story got better. It it started to get better the more we learned about it. It it was nuts. Like, we were, there were, like, slight corrections. Like, you have the most part of the story correct, but, like, we need to make some slight alterations. So, Pitt fans weren't mad at me, which is is great. I'm glad. Definitely don't want to get on your bad side. In this situation... Third string walk-on kicker does this. Apparently, the kicker that did this is is the grandson of a pit legend, Bob Junko, and he was a head coach at Akron, and he's he was on the staff at Pitt forever. And sure. so, basically, this third string walk-on kicker does a revenge onside kick for his fallen kicker brethren and recovers it. <laughs> how dare you, kicker brethren? How, how dare you? I will avenge you, kicker. I'm going to kick an onside kick and they're never going to see the ball again. Yeah. I I don't see, this is like, I don't think Narduzzi would have done this. This is like not Narduzzi-esque. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And then like, he was just like, but the the kid being like a a relative of, of a pit legend doing this now, now this kid is a pit legend for this random onside kick. What a, what a great rogue kicker revenge onside kick moment for pit. That was great. And they and they beat Rhode Island. It was it was great. <laughs> I can't imagine what's going on like conversation wise now with this kicker. Oh yeah. It's just nuts. Like when a kicker goes rogue and then like I mean there's a minute eleven left. You're up by like twenty one. You're fine. But like Narduzzi upset and Narduzzi like was yelling at him and then he did like the classic like ah forget about it. Like just yeah. wave. And then the special teams coach was just just killing him. Just so livid. It was great. My my favorite kind of onside kick, and we don't see it enough, 
is not the kind where you try to get it to like bobble, but it's the kind where you kick a line drive at someone. Like you stare them down and you kick it straight at them and you hope that it just ricochets back to you. My favorite kind of onside kick. It's like a, it's like a version of dodgeball with right. the onside kick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, I agree. Like, yes. Like you just like, you just, you just aim it for someone and hope that it bounces back at you. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, we said it earlier, but Jeff Collins salute to our first clock commander of the week who uh, no longer has a job at Georgia tech. Now, RIP Jeff, Jeff Collins, not really I, RIP, but I had, I had, I had a great suggestion on Twitter about who their next coach should be. Oh no. And, and I made some, very, a lot of people very angry when I said Steven it. Steven Godfrey, Godfrey did not like this. So that I'm was saying, you. Okay. That was, I, that I was didn't me. know who tweeted that. That oh, was you. All right. All right. That was, that was you. <laughs> There's a perfectly good coach in Statesboro who has brought a team off the option, turned them around pretty fast. Clay Helton, come on down to Atlanta. Every Georgia Southern fan was like, the fuck are you saying? Shut up. Shut up, shut up. Don't you, <laughs> don't you dare, dare take away Clay Helton. For me personally, I, I would like to see Tech get Chadwell from Coastal. I, I, that's oh, what I, want. I, w- I want Coastal to stay fun for a little longer. I love them I, so I know. much. They're a lot of fun, but I feel like that's the type of coach they need to get. They need yeah. to get somebody with like a variant of the option mm-hmm. that's a yeah. little quirky and because they're, you know, their academic standards. They needed to have a change up compared to everybody else in the conference. I saw, yeah. I, I saw someone suggest Willie Fritz and I don't hate that. Yeah. Willie Fritz would be good. I, I'd hate, I'd hate for Tulane to lose him. Speaking of onside kicks, I believe we, we, we missed one with Florida and Tennessee. Like I know Ooh, Tennessee, mm-hmm. I know Tennessee oh, but that was like the perfectly executed bounce on yeah, that. And then Florida, but you know, of course, Tennessee won that one. They almost tried to give it away. But they, they won that one, you know, the uh, the third Saturday in October. The third uh, Saturday in September. Yeah, we love that. No, that's all. That's a terrible name. We can keep going. When, <laughs> when, when, what's his, when what's his face on game day called it that, I felt specifically called out. <laughs> specifically called out. But that's what it says in Wikipedia, man. I, the, yeah. which, which, tells me, which tells me exactly the kind of research that their, 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 their people did. They they do more than us. No, not really. No, we're we're weird. We we definitely say like like, like our our research arm isn't going to sit here and give us the numbers of like. Well, did you know that they you know they were this team has been four for sixteen on third down stops and blah blah blah. Nope. We're not going to have that. But nope. however, we will tell you the story about that pit road kicker because we did the research. Damn it, we do the research on that. That's right. Do you want to know who the head coach was of Middle Tennessee in 1930? We're going to find that out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it stuff, this is stuff we're good at. It, doesn't, it definitely wasn't Rick Stocks. Yeah. The yeah, important gonna... things. The vibes, guys. We're here for the vibes. That's what right. Alabama, Alabama's 0-3 against Rice. All right. Hey, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> we, we're going to find the weird stuff, like who had the most punts. It, it, it is Tennessee's, I mean, um, Miami's 0-3 versus Middle Tennessee, right? That's right. Yes. right. Yes. Hell yeah. That's right. I'm going to put that on a shirt. I'm wearing that on a t-shirt. I can't wait. Classic Florida State <laughs> fan behavior. I know. Love Guys, it. I'm not normally like this, but we're we're on a hot start. Uh-oh, I got to ride it. I got to ride it a little bit. She's feeling it over it. here. She's not not only are you guys on a hot start, but the two big in-state rivals are having big problems. I, know, so I, kept, I think I tweeted at one point, I'm glad we're not playing a team from Tennessee this week because <laughs> we probably would have lost too. If we played Memphis, we would have lost. You know oh. we would have. <laughs> Tennessee defeated the state of Florida. I didn't realize that. They did. They That's did, right. man. Woo. 
New Mexico State, you got your win over Hawaii. I'm going to apologize because I sat here last week and I said, or maybe two, maybe two weeks ago, and I said, Hawaii, they've got this. And then Kamish said, you know, Hawaii hasn't thrown a passing touchdown yet. And I went, oh, I'm feeling less confident about this, but they yeah, won. You, got, you, you, you had the New Mexico State social media account getting sassy with you. I did because I, I said, yeah, oh, Hawaii. I said, yeah. I said, I said, oh, Hawaii must be, I feel like Hawaii is bad, bad. And New Mexico State's social media team goes, maybe we're just good, good. Oh. And I, <laughs> I backpedaled and I was like, I love to see you guys. You guys are great. I love to see you guys playing well. Yay, go team. I think that was our first time getting ratioed. So congratulations, Jordan. I appreciate it. I did. That. I got, got ratioed. <laughs> and, and it's really funny because I think they did that just to be sassy to us because I, I'm going to be driving to Las Cruces next weekend. Uh, yeah. to, to watch them play FIU, which FIU, uh, how do they do against Western Kentucky? Uh, that would be 73 to zero. Oh. <laughs> Not the, the worst blow. Uh, that's Mike McIntyre. Mike oh. McIntyre of, of, of former Colorado. Well, uh, oh, speaking of Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Western Kentucky absolutely just took it to FIU. Next week, I'm going to say New Mexico State's going to just blow FIU out of the water. I, I really think, I mean, New Mexico State put it on Hawaii. Like, they ran all over Hawaii. Like, they were just just pounding the football. And it, I'm, I'm not happy for New Mexico State to get their first win. I'm looking at the the Bill C, SP+, plus, uh, FIU is, is 131, dead last. Uh, New Mexico State is 127. So the matchup that I get to see is 127 versus 131. I, I'm excited. I, I will game. be driving. I, I, That's I, very I, sickos. Very sickos. I love for it. The, the, the first sickos official, like, I guess, like road trip. I know we went to the ULM, uh, but for the first one where we're going to get credentialed, uh, essentially, yeah. I know you did do the bowl game, but like the first regular season sickos credentialed game i feel like i was one of the only people in the world that was watching usc oregon state and that's because it was on the pac-12 network like i said last week i had to pull up my vpn someone thankfully told me that if you are outside the united states pac-12 network has an international feed it's free on youtube so so i just i fired up my vpn set my country for moldova and uh enjoyed myself some usc oregon state football I don't know if you guys also saw this. They put the USC band at like the highest, farthest away point in the stadium too. Like they put them in the top tier, just way back. Of course they did. Of and course I, they did. And I, I assume it's just because they didn't want to hear "Fight On" forty thousand times from the USC band. Other fun games or things that sort of popped up. Hey, JMU. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and and I try, I try not to always listen to all the 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 Sunday shows before we do this because I don't want to just parrot shit that I've heard. But I, yeah. I'm going to agree with Split Zone on this, and this has always been our thing. JMU, if you go undefeated this year and they don't let you in the postseason, you hang the banner. You are national champion. And if you need if you need someone to declare that for you, we will declare it for you. If you want to say that a media organization, if you need to like lean on um, like a media organization, say it, we will say it. What was the what was the team for basketball last year? Was it Bellarmine? Uh, Bellarmine, yes. Yeah, Bellarmine had just moved up. They won the regular season in their conference weren't allowed in the conference tournament. And so we just started tweeting, hang the banner. Boom. Nope. They're afraid to play you national champs, whatever you want to call yourselves. If someone was going to play you, you hang the banner immediately. Uh, we'll talk about the other side of that game. App state blew a 28 to three lead, which apparently is the most cursed lead in all of football. Mm, it is. 
Like, I don't even the, watch the NFL and I know it is. Ugh. Like the collective trauma of of that score. It, it it's it has to be the equivalent of a 2-0 lead in soccer. Like 2-0, like it just feels like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I think somebody in our mentions called him Applanta. Yeah. <laughs> also, game day picked App State across the board. That was another yeah. one where they all picked. Yeah. Yes. And I I got a little nervous then because I yeah, JMU, I mean, I know they were undefeated, and I know they haven't played anyone great, but, like, they look good. They look decent. They look competent, from what I could tell. I, I picked yeah. them. I picked them to win. Uh, again, I did this with Wyoming against Air Force, and, like, I, I've, I've done, like, some guest spots. Magic. Uh, I did it with the, the no contest guys, and I, I picked JMU to win, and everybody else picked App, and I was just like, I don't know. I feel like the magic's going to run out at some point. And then when they were down 28-3, I was like, ah, okay, I'm wrong. Who cares? I don't get paid to do this, right? Um, nope. No, I'm not a prognosticator. But, yeah, and then they came back to win 32-28. So I, I look like a genius, I guess, which is – I'm not nearly one. So it, it's fun to feel good and, and randomly – I have no idea what the rest of the picks were, but I think I beat uh, picked uh, Temple to beat UMass, but that, that wasn't too difficult. And that's not uh, a – I want to see when the I want to see the when the last time App scored was. Hold up. So App uh, six scored, minutes left in the second quarter. Okay, so six minutes left in the second quarter. App scores, goes up to twenty eight, and then just absolutely hits the skid. Second half doesn't score at all. That's bad. That's oh my god. Mm. Uh, JMU hey, has. Does this mean A and M's worse than we think they are? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'll stop with the A&M I, shade. I, no, I, th- I, th- I think JMU, I, I, JMU, I think A&M fans would say that they're worse than they are. Like, I think A&M fans are just <laughs> I would agree. Yes, not feeling I would that. Agree. I'm going to say that James Madison, they opened as, they're playing Texas State at home this next week. They opened up as like 18 and a half point favorites. I can't see a world in which JMU doesn't beat Texas State by at least 18 and a half. That feels yeah. like real. It feels like real easy money e- to me. Easy money, yeah, I agree. The, the The biggest game that James that JMU has left on their schedule is Coastal. It's the last game of the season, and they play they play Coastal oh, at home. That'll be a fun game. It'll be a very guys. Fun I don't game. have ESPN Plus, but that feels like something that's going to be on ESPN Plus, and I might get it for that. That sounds so fun. Houston barely beat Rice. It came down to the very end, and the only really interesting thing coming off of this is that Dana Holgerson was saying he's tired of having to motivate his players. But which I think that's what coaching is, but that sounds like something Dana would say. He's still spicy about the fact that was it Texas Tech that beat him and then tweeted a like yes, empty yeah. Red Bull can. He's still spicy about that, but I like it. I love spicy Dana Holgerson. Give me more. Give me way more. I love it. Also, things that happened out west later at night. Wazoo and Oregon got into a weird one. Oh, yeah. That sounds we weird. Had, we had a we had a Bo Nix pick six. So we, we got that. And then uh, in the second half, it, w- it was the good Bo Nix. So in the first half, we got the bad Bo Nix. And, the, and in the second half, we got the good Bo Nix, uh, which he let him down for a lead. And then, then Wazoo threw a pick six. There was this crazy play by the Wazoo quarterback. I, I believe his name's Cam Ward. Like he's like basically parallel with the ground, like just like <laughs> parallel with the ground. And then for some other reason, he like flips it up with the back of his hand and, and, and then like it goes like seven yards in the air and then there's just a, a running back there and they convert like this fourth down. This, this game was just classic weird wazoo Oregon pack 12 madness, but it was just weird because it was in the afternoon. It wasn't like night. Like if this was at like 11 
like this would be like the ultimate Pac-12 after dark game at like 11 p.m. Central or something like that. I was going to say, this feels like a very Pac-12 after dark game, yeah. It, it, it was one, but it was in the afternoon. I'll just say that. And then mm-hmm. Bonix, I, I don't know where this Bonix, like it was, it, was, it was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It was the Bonix experience. Like the his entire career was basically this game. And it was, and Oregon got the win. It was nuts. I believe it was Holly Anderson who said last season, no team knows how to prepare for Bonix, including his own, which I feel like is the Bonix experience. And it's great. I, as an outside observer and not an Auburn or an Oregon fan, I love to watch it. It's so great. This game kicked off, I think, at 1 p.m. local, which is such a bizarre mm-hmm. West Coast kickoff time. Not as huge as the Arkansas fumble to Texas A&M, but this game also had an Oregon, uh, let's see here. It was, yeah, a 95-yard interception return by Oregon that had a negative 12 EPA, which is pretty damn close. So this game was just silly, 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 which is what we want from our Pac-12. Other things out there, Cal ran all over Arizona, which is a weird thing to say. Every time I looked at this game, like Cal had like another long rushing touchdown. It was ridiculous. I think that one of their running backs ran for nearly 300 yards. I think it was like 274 yards. It was, it was ridiculous. The uh, Jed Fish's men away from the fish tank could not uh, stop Cal at all. It was ridiculous. Also, I once again, on the, on, on the PAC 12 network. So no one saw it. Not now, necessarily. can we just say real fast, Jaden Delora, Arizona's quarterback, who's been one of our Detmer leaders. Consistently, his single game Detmer was 4.17. Ooh, that's super A single high. game Detmer. Yeah. He, he threw for 417 yards with two TDs and two interceptions. That is Beautiful. the kind of performance. That's a, that's the Detmer performance. We're looking that is for a somebody Detmer just performance. randomly throwing the ball as much as possible and not really caring where it goes. And so when they, they end up with even interceptions and even touchdowns, that's with like, over 400 yards. That's basically what we based the Detmer on. It was just like, I think that, that was the average, like 400 yards was the baseline. And then the two touchdowns and the two interceptions. Yeah. It was basically the, the, the Detmer performance metric. Yep. He, he hit in the one game. It was perfect. Uh, the running back for Cal was Jaden Ott. He uh-huh. had 19, he had 19 carries for 274 yards. His average yards per carry was 14.4. Are you fucking with me? No. And he had three touchdowns. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I told you they ran all over him. He had 19 carries, 19 carries for 274 yards, uh, averaging 14.4 yards. He had three touchdowns. uh, And then he had a a long of 73. It was ridiculous, honestly. And I mean, yeah, he was just on fire. They, They could not stop him whatsoever. I mean, Cal's quarterback was like 18 for 28 for like three TDs, like 245 yards. It was just, it was just a shootout. Like I, I didn't expect Cal to have an offensive explosion like this, which I don't know. Arizona seems kind of fun sickos. Like they, they'll put up a lot of points. They'll fight with you. Uh, they may not win, but they're hella, they're, they're really entertaining. We've already, we are covering, we are covering this game in more detail than literally anyone else in this world. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. We do here. It's the Sickos Podcast. We're talking about Cal, Arizona, way in depth. Uh, Hey, Colorado. Yikes. UCLA just ran all over you. And I I don't even think that, like, UCLA is not great this year, but Colorado 
Colorado may be may be the worst P5 team. Like I feel I feel pretty comfortable saying that at this point. And I don't know. I would love to see the battle of the 1990 title winners, Georgia Tech Ooh, versus Colorado. Yeah. That would and be the winner. The winner gets the 1990 national championship outright. So these two teams have to fight for the honor of 1990. Like, like I think they're the only two teams that only two pe- teams of people in the world that would ever want to go back to 1990. I'm just going to say that. I have Florida state. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah, that's, a great year. that's a good year. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, the, the 1990, it would just be, we would not the be canes, the canes too. Might want to go back to yeah, you know. yeah. the ACC in general. Let's be honest. <laughs> Oh, that was that was Big East time. That was Big East. Know? That was Big East. Time. No, Canes were Big East. We were not. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And then to dip into FCS, this was a game that no one quite knew what was going on. Like this didn't hit my radar until someone posted it. Sam Houston State ninety eight Warner zero. Okay, it's not Sam Houston State. It's Stephen F Austin. I just looked it oh, up. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, no, cut it's that. okay. It's okay. I don't know why I put Sam Houston. Oh my God, State. they're rivals. I just, I just, I just, I just tried to correct it in the doc. Sorry. Damn it. Damn it. Oh my god! The only reason I was looking it up, um, Jordan, honestly, is because Warner Southern is really close to my home, like where mm-hmm. I'm from, and so I was like, I don't think, and I was like, oh wait, okay, but yes. Anyways, continue. Sorry. The the so, lumberjacks put up ninety eight. Yes, they not did. the Bearcats. Not the Bearcats. Lumberjacks. Okay. Out of, out of Nacogdoches, Texas. I know that. Yes. Uh, yes. What's the What's the city in Louisiana that looks like Nacogdoches but it's not Natchitoches? Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches, okay. Yeah, not, not he, you wanted to say nachitos, didn't you? Yeah, I always say nachitos, like nachos, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I that's the thing. Like, as soon as I moved from Louisiana to Texas, I had to learn Nacogdoches and then Nacogdoches. Because, yeah. like, I knew one of them, but I, I knew they had another similar-sounding one across mm-hmm. the border. This was Stephen F. Austin, 98, Warner, 0. Uh, Stephen F. Austin took a knee on a two-point conversion to not go to 100, which... I, I always feel weird about the idea that like 98 is a gentleman's score, but a hundred would be gauche seems really fucking I, stupid. Yes, I agree. Like we're sorry. I'm a football capitalist. Go for the gold. Go for the hundred. Go. It's not called feelings ball. Sorry. Yeah, like, because, <laughs> like, like if you're going to beat us badly, at yeah. least make it, make it, make it big. This is make one of those fun. where I think, I think Stephen F. Austin had to, had to add this game to the schedule because of all the weird transitional time. Cause uh, in FCS, there was an issue with certain teams like jumping to the Southland and back from the whack and they needed to add this game in. And so they had to pull in sort of whatever they could, whatever school they could find. Warner's an NAIA school. So it's, you guys, anyway. they're like, high sc- I mean, I'm like, they're like literally 30 minutes from where I'm from Lakeland. Mm-hmm. And my high school team, which is really good and has won the national, or excuse me, not national state title several years in a row, I think could beat Warner. They're, no. It's not good. They, like, they, it's they, it's disingenuous to schedule them a little bit. Ooh. Like, Stephen F. Austin needed this game because they had a yeah. gap in the schedule and there was just no one else to schedule. And it's yeah. not it's not unusual for FCS teams to schedule D2, D3, even NIA, team, NIA teams. Like, that happens. Mm-hmm. And... And this, I think, just was people were saying like, "Oh, this feels like this feels like the Bishop Sycamore thing. This feels like the was it the Fort U Fort Lauderdale fiasco? Those guys." And like, no, yeah. like, like Warner's a legit school. It's been around for a long time. Yes, They're, yes, it's been around for a very long time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's a it's a newish football program. But this is just an example of what happens when you separate like you separate a pretty good to great FCS team 
to mm-hmm. a team that just is new, still working on things at that bottom, mm-hmm. at the NAI level. And it, this just happens. And so this is more of just an interesting in terms of like the magnitude of the score is interesting so much more so than anything else that happened in it. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, no, Warner's legit school. This isn't, this isn't like, this is yes, buying a win, but this is no more like buying a win than, you know, paying any other team to come play at Alabama, whatever. Yeah. This is just, this just so happens that this was, you know, a, a, a sort of a bigger gap than we usually see at that level. Yeah, uh, I wish they'd gone for the extra two. I want to. I want to see a hundred, folks. Anything else from this week that's weird that you want to talk about? UNLV is three and one. Slot machine, baby. I want to see more of that slot machine. Oh, also U- UNLV uh, is three and one. They 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 may make a bowl. I'm looking at the schedule. It, it, it's a possibility. I'm happy. Ohio barely hung on. Oh my god! Against Fordham, that was Ohio- the. Ohio oh won 59 to 52 in the most offensive all gas, no breaks game I've ever seen. That was I've seen in a long time. I think I, I got that one on. Uh, I think I was watching that one on my, like the little phone, tiny screen yeah. uh, where you try to get as many screens as you have. You have like one TV here, tablet there, tablet there, whatever. It, it, this one was just insane. I think they had nearly 1200 yards of offense, both of them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then both teams had over 110 yards of penalties, too, on top of that. So basically, Wild. they could have had more than 1,200 yards of offense, but they decided to each commit uh, like 110 yards of penalties each. The the Ramley of Fordham, they, their offense is absolutely insane. Like, they've been putting up these numbers in the FCS. Like, like they are – if you ever bored and you're looking for an FCS team to watch – Fordham is so entertaining. Hashtag Ramley. Are they still in the Patriot League? Yeah, they're still in the Patriot League. Yeah, they they may. They're, I mean, with their offense, they they may have a shot to get in to the FCS playoffs. But I, I don't they have, know. They have, to, they have to play Holy Cross, and Holy Cross yeah, Holy, is, Holy Cross is very good. So that's that that was, yeah. that's going to be their big like thing. The other game that I want to point out that got that got weird and fun was let me find it. Herm Edwards lost his job because yeah. Eastern Michigan rolled in. What happened to Eastern Michigan this week? I called it, man. Did I did? I was just like, Eastern Michigan is not going to be able to deal with success, and Buffalo was like feisty yet winless. Uh, they 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 almost took it to Coastal Carolina. Speaking of Holy Cross, the Holy Cross beat Buffalo on a hail mary. So I mean, Buffalo was really itching to get that first win, and oh my god, like there was one play. I think the last time that Eastern Michigan scored, they fumbled the snap on the goal line they fumble the snap and then the quarterback goes to reach it in after like just scrambling to the left and mm-hmm. he almost reaches it almost gets it to the pylon but he fumbles it again <laughs> but the ball stays in the field of play mm-hmm. and slowly rolls into the end zone and eastern michigan picks it up and they get a touchdown they go up 31 to 30 i think they, they were up 31 30 that, that was eastern michigan's last points buffalo won 50 to 31 it was ridiculous uh. I don't know where this Buffalo offense came out, but I don't know if the coach is on the hot seat, but they are just exploding in points lately. So keep an eye on them in, in, in the action. Can, can we talk just our last thing? Can we talk about that broadcast? Which one? Uh, the Buffalo EMU broadcast. Oh, how, 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 painful, how painful that looked. If you guys don't know, EMU has a gray field. That's their oh, color. I, yes. yes. And, and, and it alternates like light gray and dark gray every five yards. Yes. But the part that messes me up is that the E in the middle is green, like field colored green. It looks yeah. like grass is breaking through. And then the end zones are green too. 
So someone described it. It looked like those scenes in Pleasantville where things are starting to like come into color. (laughs) Yes. Someone else described. Someone else also described it as what it must feel like to be colorblind because EMU was wearing white and Buffalo was wearing like Buffalo was wearing like light gray or something off. No, no, EMU was wearing the gray. That's right. They were wearing gray, and Buffalo was wearing. I forgot what Buffalo like was wearing. Like light white. Like you could. Yeah, it was. It looked like an old timey, like, t- I saw it. Yes, I saw it. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know what to do with this. I can't watch it. It's weird. It's very and, weird. And it was probably the, the most entertaining game of the first half. I mean, the yes, first yeah. set of games it was. It was the wildest, highest scoring one. But it was just so hard to watch, which it made it more sickos if you could watch it. It was yeah, also it was also raining in Ypsilanti, <laughs> as of course it was. And was it, was it raining in Ar- Ann Arbor, like 30 miles away? No. Beautiful in Ann Arbor. Beautiful, but in Ypsilanti, raining, dark, gray, gritty. The other thing about that game was that it felt like every broadcast I was watching, I kept flipping to it, and it felt like the camera just couldn't handle the weird colors. Like, it kept artifacting. The transmission looked bad. And, like, all the digital stuff, the lines and the Mm on-field stuff all looked glitched out, too, because the track, like, the field was also wet because it was raining. It was, oh, it looked it looked real bad. I'm all for weird fields. I like multicolored fields. I like that kind of thing. Makes me happy. Mm-hmm. But this, this just looked rough. Okay, folks, we have wrapped up our week four review. This irk week has been definitely irksome. We're getting into conference play for most places now, which is going to be a lot of fun. We'll take care of our week five preview this week, including previewing Kamish's trip to Las Cruces. Yep. Katie, anything else? I don't think I have anything. Kamesh? No, I just want to say, again, a lovely week. We we appreciate all the new followers and whoever takes the time to listen to this, which we, we I really don't know how many people listen to this, but we definitely do appreciate it. And, and of course, a, a happy yes, haha, yes, uh, through the rest of your week, of course. Absolutely, guys. And we'll see you later on this week.